Hello and welcome back to the Small Introvert Den. I am your podcaster Salian, and in today's podcast of Did You Believe Season 5, Episode 4, we're going to be talking about movies. Now you read the title, it's going to be about the top 10 movies in their top genres. Now, what are top genres? Comedy, we have drama, we have romance, we have science fiction, we have also horror, we have action, we have adventure, we have fantasy, and also we have musical and animation. Now, should I, where should I go? Okay, I'll go with track number one, which is actually animation, Toy Story, 1995. Now, here's the thing. You can fight me in any movie that there is, because there are a lot of movies in this type of genre, and also in any genre. Like, I can go the Japanese way, the Chinese way, the American way, the European style, and also the African style. But the most universally beloved movie by children and adults alike would have to be the 1995 Toy Story. Now, like I said, there are a lot of movies like The Last Unicorn, The Iron Giant, The Syrian of INMP, The uh, Mission Impossible, uh, Kim Impossible, uh, Frozen. Also, um, who the hell is, god dang it, excuse me. Now, like I said, there are a lot of movies. There's like Snow White with the Seven Dwarfs, there is the Sleeping Beauty, there's Little Mermaid, which is actually arguably the second best beloved movie in this genre. Yes. But, Toy Story did something that most animated failed to do before. It perfectly bridged the gap between adults and children. By featuring all of the toys parents played when they were little kids, the movie managed to appeal to the kid of all of us. Children loved it, while parents waxed nostalgic about their long lost speak and spell and slinky. The movie is a masterpiece to everyone, and the sequels are amazing, but the original stands as the greatest animated movie ever. And that is actually true. Now let's go with fact number two. Musical. Singing in the Rain, 1952. Why am I mumbling the number? Oh god. It's 1952. Oh. <laughs> oh my days, I'm, I'm missy. Ugh. Now, here's the thing. Musicals are actually an interesting genre of movies, as they often do not work well. What does it well is a live theater does not always transfer onto a silver screen. As, as a result, some people absolutely love musicals, while other folks routinely hate them. Despite this, there have been numerous movie musicals that have gone to win a ton of awards as they have beautiful songs, Exceptional characters, and in the end of the day, a good movie is a good movie, whether people are singers spontaneously or not. Now, the choice of the greatest musicals has landed on Singing in the Rain. 
here's the thing, but it is as nearly went to the sound of the music. Both films are grand epics, which beautifully showcase the incredible songs belted out by some of the most talented people in the industry. Now, ultimately, Singing in the Rain stole the show simply because it features some amazing performers and a lighthearted story. The competition features a darker story, and it is hard to watch Singing in the Rain and not feel joyous, while the other movies tend to lead to the audience in other directions. And there are a lot of movies in musical category that I can actually just say. And there is one in particular that I actually love to watch, for me personally, because it's animated, it's uh, family-friendly, and it's also musical, and it also has a lot of animals, and I like it. It's called Sing, it's from 2016, it's actually a fairly new movie. It is a much, much uh, not known movie, on particularly, on a particular level, because of the story that there is, like the story behind it, it's it's like a slice of life, but depicted in animals, so that's why. Now, when it comes to singing in the rain in particular, it's a wonderful movie. Now it'll go to fact number three, which is fantasy. Now I'm gonna go way before, way before 1952 to 1939. The first and the original, The Wizard of Oz. Now, here's the thing. There are a lot of movies that can go to the fantasy, to the fantasy category, including my favorite, Lord of the Ring, The Return of the King. I mean, come on, that is an immortal movie. It's an immortal classic. Like, ugh, it's beautiful. But the actual classic is The Wizard of Oz. Now, as it's contenders in sci-fi, some fantasy movies do not appeal to a broad audience. There are a lot of people who are actually who hate Lord of who hate Lord of the Rings. And I would fight them. I actually do. It's like as if you are fighting against Star Trek or Star Trek or War or Star Wars when I'm like Warhammer 40k. <laughs> yeah, that's how. Now, here's the thing. The Kicker in Wizard of Oz is one of those movies that everyone sits down to watch sooner or later. And they have already watched it before in their entire lifetime. Whether once, twice, third. I don't know. Now, most of us would watch it when we are kids. Most people actually watch it with their parents. And the fact that the movie itself is over 80 years old, it's about the age of my dad. <laughs> my dad was born in 48. This movie is like almost 10 years older than it. So, yeah. It's a beautiful movie. It's a very classical, timeless. And it's also a beautiful fantasy movie. And the thing is, the story itself is actually way older because it is... Written, I think, in 1200s, if I still remember. So, yeah. It's a beautiful movie. Now, let's go with fact number four. And we're gonna go back to a little bit of nostalgia right now. Oh, yeah. We will go to adventure. 
Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, buddy, 1981. Often, action and adventure are thrown together in a single genre, but some movies need to be separated in their own genre. Adventure is a genre with a lot of options. There are war movies, there is western, there is science fiction, there is romance adventure, like hunting down something. But the greatest series of movies that I can actually depict to anyone else who loves movies, Indiana Jones. Come on. Come on. Like, it's beautiful. It's just... It's like Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, in a male's work. I mean, come on. If you love Lara Croft, the Tomb Raider series, like the movies or even the game, you will love this. Actually, I think Indiana Jones series is actually older than Lara Croft, but I think they're from the same... They're... I think... I don't know. I think they're from the same era, or at least from the same era in, write, in written work, like in manuscripts. So, yeah. Now, throughout the film, this college professor fights against a plethora of enemies. He swims with crocodiles. He fights a crystal. He fights a guy who actually is looking to tear out his heart. He swims to a submarine, which thankfully didn't submerge with him on the top. He ducks through the clues to find the artifact. Like, come on, and also, come on, it's Harris Ford. Who doesn't love a Harris Ford? I key man. Like, come on, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, but hey, I I love old movies. I may be like born in ninety like in ninety seven, but dude, I grew up with classical movies. Like my newest film that I have like of my collection is probably from nineteen ninety eight, which is when I was a year old. And now I'm training three, and I actually watch them, and I love them. I love them. So, beat me, I guess. Let's go with fact number five, with the category of action. Seven Samurai, in 1954. This is actually a movie that I've watched, and it is... Oh, it's a beautiful movie. I think the other last, like, the newest version of this movie, I think it's The Last Samurai of 1999 or 2002. I don't remember the date exactly. That, uh, actually, not the Chris Bale, because there are two movies that are the same name, but not the same leading actor. Oh, boy. Uh, there's one that actually played in it, Brad Pitt. Uh, not Brad Pitt, uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, and the other one is Christian Bell. So I don't know which one is which. So, but this one is... There's a saying that imitation is the highest form of flattery. Now, if that's true in filmmaking, Akira Kurosawa, immortal classic Seven Samurai, is one of the most flattered movies ever made as its story has been adapted in many movies. 
Now, it's ridiculous. If you have seen Kurosawa's work, you know him to be the one of the greatest directors of all time. He put everything he had in his movies. His work went to inspire the likes of Kerfick, Scorsese, Tarantino, Lucas, Spielberg, and more. His films were epic stories filled with originality and beautiful settings that ring true to the saying, every frame is a painting. Now, Seven Samurai is a story that you have likely seen before. Have you ever seen in the movie, a village is terrorized by bandits hire of seven renin to protect them? It's the plot of the max, max magnificent Seven, the Three Amigos, and A Bug's Life. And it has influenced the Hollywood filmmakers for decades. There are plenty of great action movies out there. While the top spot could have been gone to a more commercially appealing movie, or at least relatively recently, it's difficult to pass this movie by as one of the greatest stories ever to put in film. And like I said, it's a beautiful movie. Now we will go to my... Ah, to my favorite movie of all time, or at least my favorite genre of all time. Horror! Psycho. Blech. From 1960. Now, here's the thing. Just put the word horror in the script, or at least in the genre, then put Anthony Hopkins, uh, Anthony Perkins, and Anthony Hopkins in any, any of these scripts. Any. Like, I'm serious. Any. You will have beautiful movies. And especially beautiful horror movies from psychological suspense, from occult movies, from slasher flicks, and also from my favorite classical thriller. Like The Omen, The Exorcist, You Motherfucker Suck Suck Suck. Well, hey, I love a good movie. And in particularly Anthony Perkins, what he managed to do with Norman Bates was to offer up a realistic villain who could honestly be your next door neighbor, actually. But still has sinister backways. And my fucking mouth. Ah! Or the person sitting next to you. Sure, he was crazy. He dressed up as his dead mother who sat mummified in his home. But to that point aside, he was a charismatic and attractive young man. He was a bit awkward and seemed utterly harmless. So harmless you might feel safe taking a shower, even if it's the last thing you do. Psycho was brilliantly written, directed, and act. Even the camera work was some of the best seen in a movie up to the point of that time. It is easy to see why Psycho is considered one of the greatest suspense horror movies ever made. And it is also the big inspiration of actually my novel called Himes. Uh, Himes Sanguinum Lineas. I know it's a bit of a channel's plug right now, but hey. So, yeah. Let's go with fact number seven. Romance. Why am I doing... <laughs> God... This movie is produced in 1942, called Casablanca. Now, here's the thing, you will tell me, like, 
you're the one who loves sci-fi movies, you love horror movies, you love action movies, but you do not love romance. I do not love romance because it is a sort of a pointless genre for me. Now, I'll explain why. I say that because the stories that are actually produced are not, uh, how to say this, are not cooperative and understood with the timeline that the movie is actually produced. I mean, uh, no, not really. But this movie in particular, and I have watched it so many times, it's a beautiful movie. It's beautifully made, but also so right for the timeline being because Casablanca is one of the most set movies, top romance movies of their time, of its time, and it's a moral classic. Now, what I mean by that is that not only it was set in a time frame where there was a lot of wars, but also the story, the story tells about it and it tells like the love story between two people which one of them will see that it doesn't work because at that time it was unconventional and so controversial to have a relationship with someone who is not your color or your region or your religion and that's why it's so beautiful it's so so beautiful it's a beautiful movie and there are a lot of movies that can actually fight it, but, like, it's one of the most beautifully developed, so nuanced, so cinematically beautiful movies. Like, I, like, there are a lot of movies that I actually can give you to, like, to have, for example, like, An Affair to Remember, Titanic. Rollback Mountain, even Ghost, but this movie in particular is beautiful. I'm sorry, it's you can fight me for this, but it's beautiful. Now with track number eight, science fiction. Now, here's the thing: this movie did not have any of the CGI that you will find in the modern science fiction. It's not like Star Wars or like the series of Star Trek or like Warhammer but E.T. is beautifully special especially for me because it had the one hobby that I actually loved to do when I was a kid which is puppeteering puppeteering is the art form of making a a miniature doll that you can use as a uh how to say this as a vessel for your inner self or as your vessel for your inner character that you want to build now that being said this movie in particular it's so well beautifully made is that you're literally having Things that are so iconic and it also uses a lot of nostalgia because it's literally using the storyline of a child that has a normal childhood but with an alien friend. Like, come on. It's like 
and these movies actually you can check them out I'm not, I don't have I do not have the links but you can actually check them out now with fact number nine in the list the category of drama citizen Kane now here's the thing citizen Kane is probably one of the beautiful movies that have been shocking and very controversial actually to a lot of people it was put out in 1941 and it's not actually for the reason that you might think actually it's because of how well it was made as Orson Welles produced co-wrote starred and had a final cut the man had never directed a movie before and this one came out it wasn't a guarantee that it would be a hit that being said it was heavily courted by the RKO to do anything for the studio and his contract stipulated that he would be allowed to direct two pictures only his first was arguably his greatest cinematic achievement on a number of levels. Citizen Kane tells the story of Charles Foster Kane, a wealthy industrialist who dies with only one word on his list. His list? Huh? His lips. Oh, <laughs> Rosebud. The film continued with an attempt to determine what his dying word meant. Interestingly, the movie had many critics identified it as the best ever made was a box office failure. It did not recover its cost and became somewhat obscure, and it achieved more success after say, 15 years in 1956, following a French revue, which led to a revival of the movie itself. And with fact number one, we left the best category ever to the last and also the most subjective one for me at least and it is comedy doctor strange love or also known as how i learned to stop worrying and love the and it was made in a very like i said this movie is the same is made the same way as casablanca where it is made in a very sensitive time and the story is so coordinated and in sync with the time of the real life uh, like the real life thing like the real life event that it's actually so understandable that I actually kind of like it now like I said comedy is one of the most objective genres before and what's funny for some people is either idiotic or offensive to others that being said, some of things are objectively funny, and the subgenres that seem to get the most chuckles out of an audience is slapstick. Still, slapstick is often the lowest form of comedy. Satire would be its opposite, and it tends to be a tap of more intellectual concepts of what makes something funny. There are a lot of movies that do this well. Film that does make it any better is Stanley Kirkup's uh, Kubrick's, sorry, Kubrick's A Doctor Strange Love, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. The movie is as silly as Mothy Myton, while being as deadly serious as Python. Being able to make a nuclear war funny is no easy task, but when you take an actor like George C. Scott and tell him to do everything over the top, throw in a horrific situation leading to a nuclear annihilation, 
and get Pedro Sellers to pull to play to play three separate characters, you have got comedy gold on your hands. Sellers qualifies Doctor Strange Love as in the comedy, while Monty certainly didn't mention comedy and DZ. Now that being said, the episode. Uh, I'll see you later, I guess. Also, wherever you are, whether it's dusk, moonlight, twilight, morning. Right now it's midnight. Uh, so, I'll see you probably next week. Bye.